Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. Good morning, friends, and welcome to this time of worship as we gather together, as we approach the Spirit with our hearts, as the Spirit is always with us. But it seems that only during this time do many of us actually take the time to set things aside and to open ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so I invite you to take a breath. And know that whatever's next on your schedule for the day, that it will be there when we are finished with this time. I invite you to set it aside. Any anxiety you have about things coming in the future, whether tomorrow or a week or a month from now, that you just lay them aside. Whatever it is you've been carrying with you for far too long, just to lay it aside. If you really, it's really important to you, you can, you can pick it back up and carry it at the end of worship. But when we come together and to hear the word, it is such a blessing for us when we come wholeheartedly. And so I invite you to just take a moment and pray with me and let us invite the presence. Lord, I thank you that you are always waiting for us. You're always with us, around us. You are present in everybody that we see, that you are at work in the hearts of everyone. Help us to not resist that work now. Help us to approach you with our whole heart, with all of our focus, all of our attention. Help us to come before you, to quiet our souls, to confront whatever it is that we are feeling and that we can hold them while we also approach you. You don't ask us to be anything but authentic. You ask us to only be sincere, to come as we are, and that's where you'll meet us. Meet us here, Lord, as you invite us to growth Help us to accept that call. All that has been prepared, Lord, may your blessing be upon it. Speak through me in spite of me. Help us to hear you in spite of ourselves. And all that we carry with us, Lord, all that we embody, all that we cling to and integrate into our lives, our souls, our minds, our hearts, may it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. We come to a a few scripture readings this morning, and two of them are from Isaiah. And we're going to read Isaiah because Isaiah is going to illuminate what's going on in the gospel reading of Matthew. Now, Isaiah was written to its own people, 
in their own time, in their own context, in their own needs, and it addressed those needs. But what we find in the gospel account we call Matthew is the author recognizes that Jesus is taking that ancient message from Isaiah and allowing it to speak about what he is doing, about what the kingdom has to say, what's happening in the moment of the narrative of the story that this gospel writer has given us. This gospel writer gives us the story to help us understand that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we have a whole narrative to walk us through all that that means. And so the story today in the gospel of Matthew comes to us near the middle of the entire gospel. And there are things happening that help us understand what it is we're going to read. And I give all this preface because we're going to read parables. We're going to spend the next few weeks in the parables of Matthew from chapter 13. And what often happens is we take the parable and just rob it, kind of, of what it was meant to do, and we make it into something else. And so sometimes you'll hear it presented as a morality tale. And, you know, it's great to glean morals from the parable. Yes, that's, that's a great thing to do. But the, go the gospel writer is trying to explain to us who Jesus is and the way that these parables are put together. And when Jesus spoke in parables to the crowds of people, Jesus is trying to take these prophetic visions of the past to bring some commentary on all that Jesus is doing because people struggled to understand what Jesus was doing. And we today struggle to understand what Jesus is doing what God is at work in your lives to accomplish through you, for you, with you, how the Holy Spirit is, is working in your life to bring you into this place of holiness once we've said yes, and then to lead us onto this path of faith. But what happens is, is we come to the stories with our own ideas, our own preconceived notions. And so we hear the truth, but we hear it the way we want to hear it rather than just openly and honestly hearing it and letting it challenge us, letting it confront us. Jesus recognized that's what's happening. So in chapter 13, he, he dives into these parables. But what happened the, the few chapters before is that Jesus had commissioned and, and sent the disciples to go into the cities that he'd been in to do the things he'd been doing, to preach, to heal, and to tell of the good news of the kingdom of God coming into the world through Jesus, around Jesus, and now through the disciples as well. And so they come back, and, and all the while people are starting to ask, who is Jesus? They have their idea of what Jesus should be, if he's a king, if he's a messiah. They, they have an idea of what he should be about, even though that's not exactly what Jesus is about. And so they ask questions, who are you? Are you the one? And then Jesus has been explaining to them why some of you are just not going to get this because you're coming in here with your preconceived notions, your expectations, and you are not recognizing the unexpected thing that God is doing. You're not recognizing or accepting the grace and the love that is coming in the most unexpected, shocking, and controversial ways. So what we've seen in the gospel up to this point is that Gentiles and tax collectors and centurions and people with leprosy and people that are bleeding, they're the ones that are receiving the good news of Jesus. They're receiving the kingdom. The main reason being is because the kingdom flips everything upside down. So in our world, what makes success, what makes us have a good successful life is if we have power, if we have privilege, if we have titles and status, 
and reasons to think we have a good life, to take pride in, to celebrate. But it's actually the people that are at the bottom of it all who don't have any of the privilege or status or title or power. They're actually the ones understanding what the kingdom's about because they're open to it. Because when you have the power, you want things to continue to support what you're about. And so you might hear Jesus speak and just kind of be listening for Jesus to support what you're about. And we do this in church today, right? You, you come because you want to hear what it is you want to hear. And so sometimes we hear things that we don't want to hear, and then it leaves us in this place of struggle. Are we going to resist, accept, are we going to just go somewhere else? Are we just going to plug our ears? Are we going to lay our lives down and really consider something we've never considered? We experience the same struggle that the audience of Jesus experienced. And so Jesus has made it clear in chapter 11 and 12 that his presence and the kingdom coming, God's justice, which is occurring in Jesus, and his mercy, which is occurring in Jesus, it is bringing division and separation. People are not accepting this message. They are resisting. Some are plotting to kill Jesus. Some are just, you know, they, they, don't, they aren't interested. And so Jesus is talking to everybody and he's saying, look, God's will is what God's will is. And the way you think God's will is doesn't always match up. And so that's gonna leave you a choice. What are you gonna do? And he, even right before the scene for today, uh, the scene that leads to the scene today, at the end of chapter 12 is Jesus' own family comes to see him. And they want him to come out of the house that he is teaching in. They want him to come outside. They, they think that they need to take him home. He's getting a little too out there for them. And Jesus looks around and says, Who are my brothers and sisters and mother? Those who do the will of the Father are my brothers and sister and mother. It's a really controversial thing to say in a society where family is everything. Family is first. But Jesus says, no, the kingdom is first. And then he steps out and he offers this parable we're going to focus on today. Now, the parable we're going to focus on is a parable about parables. And he's going to bring in the Isaiah verse. So let's begin with the Isaiah passage because what's happened to give you a, just a brief explanation, Isaiah 5, uh, Isaiah is a big book, and Isaiah was written after or near the end of the exile uh, of Judah and Jerusalem. And so what had happened was they had they'd seen their whole world fall apart, Babylon conquered them, destroyed Jerusalem, and then exiled all the people away, and the people were left thinking, we're God's people, and God's the only God. How could God let this happen to us? And so at the end of the exile, they are coming back. They're looking back on all that has happened, trying to understand what was God doing? Why wasn't God helping? And so they're reflecting upon the past through the lens that they now have in the present. And they, they realize that they had not been faithful to God. And so they are understanding the teachings of Isaiah to say, look, you're not faithful to God. God will let things happen to you because you're not following God's way, and God will bring consequence. God will allow the consequence to come as a judgment. And so that's what's happened. And so it's given through this image that we're going to come to right at the beginning of Isaiah. In chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, it reads, Let me sing for my loved one a love song for his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it, cleared away its stones, planted it with excellent vines, 
built a tower inside it, and dug out a wine vat in it. He expected it to grow good grapes, but it grew rotten grapes. So now, you who live in Jerusalem, you people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I haven't done for it? When I expected it to grow good grapes, why did it grow rotten grapes? Now let me tell you what I'm doing to my vineyard. I'm removing its hedge so it will be destroyed. I'm breaking down its walls so it will be trampled. I'll turn it into a ruin. It won't be pruned or hoed and thorns and thistles will grow up. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord of heavenly forces is the house of Israel and the people of Judah are the plantings in which God delighted. God expected justice, but there was bloodshed. Righteousness, but there was a cry of distress. So what we find is this image given, and it's given multiple times in Scripture, of a tree as the symbol for the kingdom of Israel. So God has done everything possible to help this tree grow. In Hebrew, the word for tree is the word for vine, and and big tree and little tree, it's all eights is the the word. So it's all the same. They're picturing a grapevine, which they would understand to be a tree. And God has done everything possible to help this tree, this vine, prosper and to be successful. Everything that could be done is done. Stones are removed from the soil. The soil is, is cleared of any weeds that might choke. There's a hedge put around to keep things from devouring the seed. It's nice tilled soil, nice rain, a tower for protection, everything. And the people aren't faithful. So God's like, look, you want to judge me for what happened? What else could I have done? I did everything for you. You did not follow my will and way. And so you know the story of what's happened. But we're going to come to the very next chapter. And this is something famous that you probably all have heard. The call of Isaiah where God says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah responds, here I am. Send me. I'll go. And so we're going to start with that verse, verse 8, and we're going to read through uh, to, to get in this idea of what Isaiah is going to be sent to do, which we'll hear echoed in the Matthew chapter. So now we're going to read from Isaiah, verse 8, and read through 13. And then I, Isaiah, heard the Lord's voice saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? I said, I'm here, send me. God said, Go and say to this people, listen intently, but don't understand. Look carefully, but don't comprehend. Make the minds of this people dull. Make their ears deaf and their eyes blind, so they can't see with their eyes or hear with their ears or understand with their minds and turn and be healed or saved. I said, how long, Lord? And God said, Until cities lie ruined with no one living in them, until there are houses without people, then the land is left devastated. The Lord will send the people far away, and the land will be completely abandoned. Even if one-tenth remain there, they will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, which when it is cut down, leaves a stump. Its stump is a holy seed." So what we find in chapter 6 is that Isaiah is going to go and and do everything, be part of this process of doing everything for the people, which is speaking truth to them. But God knows full well they're not going to hear it. But go anyway and speak the truth. 
Go anyway and show them. But they, won't, they won't turn. But we're going to do our part because God's faithful. And so we, we get at the end that this tree is going to be reduced to a stump because God's going to prune it back. Everything that doesn't belong, that's leading to the wrong way of life. And really what you're left with is a stump, which is not much. But it's referred to as a seed of hope, a stump of hope. One day, God promises, new life will begin from the stump. It will be a rebirth for the people. It will be a rebirth through the great king. And so people have been waiting for this promise. So Jesus came on the scene. And uh, right before he came on the scene, John the Baptist at the beginning of Matthew is telling the leaders who have come out to hear of John's call for repentance and the coming kingdom. And he warns them, the ax is already at the, at the base of the tree. The tree is about to come down. Now John's speaking about a coming judgment and Matthew was written after Jerusalem was destroyed again in 70 AD. And so the gospel writer is looking back and reflecting on all that has been known through the coming of Jesus and now understanding what happened in Jerusalem through that lens. So you see the, the pattern here, looking back and interpreting why things have happened the way they did. And so John gives the warning in the gospel that a, a judgment is coming upon the whole system, the whole thing that Israel is right now. There's an ax at the base. But we know that even if it's chopped down, there will be the promise of hope. And Jesus has been announcing that he is the promise of the hope. And so now we come to Matthew 13 for this parable of parables. Chapter 13, verse 1 through 23. That day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he climbed into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd was standing on the shore. He said many things to them in parables. A farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, it scorched the plants and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and bore fruit. In one case, a yield of 100 to 1. In another case, a yield of 60 to 1. And in another case, a yield of 30 to 1. Everyone who has ears should pay attention. Jesus' disciples came and said to him, Why do you use parables when you speak to the crowds? Jesus replied, because they haven't received the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but you have. For those who have will receive more, and they will have more than enough. But as for those who don't have, even the little they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to the crowds in parables. Although they see, they don't really see. And although they hear, they don't really hear or understand. What Isaiah prophesied has become completely true for them. You will hear to be sure, but never understand. And you will certainly see, but never recognize what you're seeing. For this person's senses have become calloused, and they've become hard of hearing, and they've shut their eyes, so that they won't see with their eyes, or hear with their ears, or understand with their minds, and change their hearts and lives, that I may heal them. Happy are your eyes, because they see. Happy are your ears, because they hear. I assure you that many prophets and righteous people 
wanted to see what you see and hear what you hear, but they didn't. Consider then the parable of the farmer. Whenever people hear the word about the kingdom and don't understand it, the evil one comes and carries off what was planted in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown on the path. As for the seed that was spread on rocky ground, this refers to people who hear the word and immediately receive it joyfully. Because they have no roots, they last for only a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. As for the seed that was spread among thorny plants, this refers to those who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the false appeal of wealth choke the word, and it bears no fruit. As for what was planted on good soil, this refers to those who hear and understand and bear fruit and produce, in one case a yield of 100 to 1, in another case a yield of 60 to 1, and in another case a yield of 30 to 1. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This passage, Jesus is speaking to the crowds, and the crowds are full of people that are really thirsty and hungry to hear what he has to say. Those usually without power, because they have nothing to lose by giving up their lives. But then those that are there that have much to lose by giving up their lives and truly laying down themselves to pick up the word of God, as Jesus would describe it, like a cross, they are reluctant. They're there to hear if Jesus measures up, if Jesus is fitting in with what they expect to hear. And then some of them are plotting to kill Jesus already. And so Jesus is speaking to the whole crowd that just after he said that his family isn't even going to have this allegiance from him ahead of having allegiance to God and the will of God witnessed through his sister's brothers and mothers who are also following suit. So some of them are there, some of the people ready to resist are there, some revolutionaries are there hoping Jesus is ready to pick up a sword and, and lead an assault on Rome. There are so many different expectations in the group. If Jesus says the wrong thing, he's going to be killed. So he offers parables. Because when you offer a parable, and the word means to place alongside, so it's a story that isn't really about what you might think it's about. So you work out the logic of what it's about, and then you're invited to take that logic that might make sense to you and bring it upon your own life and let that logic confront and struggle with your own life. And in this case, the expectation. So Jesus talks about that the sower is sowing the seed of the kingdom which is what Jesus has been doing, which is what the disciples have just been doing, which is what we are hoping to do. Now, we want to hear the word of the kingdom again and again and again because we want to know what the kingdom's about because it takes time for us to understand it. We might get a little bit here and then a little bit more down the road, and it may take years. And through our whole life, we are continuing to grow into the good news of the kingdom as we unlearn bad habits, as we look back upon our life, even the, the most difficult moments through the lens of this hope to help us understand how God might been, have been at work in all of those things so that we then can set our sights to move forward and continue to grow, to have life, to follow Jesus. So Jesus is speaking to the crowd, lots of farmers who know about trees, who know about seed, and he tells this story 
of the sower. Now, their initial thought had to have been that farmer's wasting a lot of seed. 75% of the seed is a waste. The farmer's throwing it in areas that the seed has no chance. So that's strange. But the seed, the 25%, that manages to fall on the good soil, the harvest that comes is beyond anything remotely possible by our standards. A farmer in their day might be lucky to get 7 to 1, 10 to 1 yield on a harvest. Jesus talks about 100 to 1, 60 to 1, 30 to 1, miraculous harvest. So when he's talking about sowing the kingdom, there's a whole crowd there. There's a whole crowd of us here now. Some of us are simply here to be backed up on what we already think. We're not interested in learning. We're interested in being uh, affirmed, armored, strengthened in our own resolve. And some of us are really here to allow the parables, to allow the good news of God's unexpected love and grace to challenge us, to reveal our weakness, to reveal the sinfulness still in us, to continue to help us grow and be awakened to the miraculous work that God accomplishes. And some of us are in between. Jesus speaks to everybody and offers a parable and says, those that, those that have much, and that is these people down here who are grasping a lot more of the kingdom already, they're hungry and thirsty and they're gonna wrestle with this parable. They're gonna turn to their neighbor and say, that seems like a waste of seed, but that, that harvest, what's he talking about? And they're gonna engage in a conversation. And so through their conversation, they're gonna wrestle with and work with this parable. Whereas these people over here, what little bit that they actually have, they might have grasped from Jesus' message. They're just, if it's not supporting what they're saying, they're just gonna start dismissing Jesus and it's basically gonna harden their heart, callous their heart. They're gonna plug their ears and close their eyes. They just get more and more to the point where they don't even want to listen because it's not giving them the message they want to hear. So Jesus puts it out there and lets the people decide what they're going to do with this. And it's on us. Friends, we hear the message, we hear this parable about God's abundant, miraculous grace and mercy and harvest, about God's faithfulness to sow through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through us, that there's no picking and choosing and trying to look around and determine where the best land is. It is going everywhere at all times because God's love is complete. And it's really the soil's decision on if that seed takes hold, right? I mean, the, the word rock is the word Petros, where we get the name Peter. Peter, think about it. Peter, the rock, is the one that eagerly jumps in with this excited faith, but then as soon as trial comes, he fades away, just like that first bit of soil. He denies Jesus. We know that the leaders, the religious leaders, they are there to hear what they want to hear. And so they are letting the lure of their life of status and privilege and power choke out what little they might have grabbed onto because as, as they start to realize what Jesus is saying, it means they're going to have to let go and realize that all the things they think they have matter not to God. And so it'll be choked from them. And then there are people that are just there because they want to go to war. They're not interested in God's will. They're interested in their will. And so they aren't even allowing the seed a chance to penetrate and so they let it just stir anger or violence, whatever it is in them. And then there are those who are actually hungry and thirsty and seeking. 
So where are you, friends? There's a lot happening in the world today. Every time we turn on the news, week to week, there's more happening. Lots of headlines, lots of opinions, lots of division, lots of arguing, lots of anger and fear. So where are you turning? How are you looking for the good news of God's unexpected love and grace, the kingdom coming now, present, here? Are you approaching truth and grace and love with open hearts? Are you seeking out scripture? Are you seeking out the inspiration of God in nature? Are you looking for the Holy Spirit's presence and work of teaching in others around you? Are you listening to the cries of the oppressed with open hearts, wondering, what's the truth here? Do I need to confront myself? Is the way I understand my life not the perfect way yet? And maybe what I'm hearing about what others have to say, maybe I consider that. Maybe I see if God's trying to accomplish something for me, with me, through me, or am I just simply coming to it all to hear what I already want to hear so that I can keep going in the direction that I want to go? Because even the little bit you have when you approach it like that, you're going to lose it. But if you come honestly and openly, you come thinking, I don't have it figured out. I have much to learn. Everyone around me has much to teach me. And I don't want to feed myself with things that simply evoke anger or fear or division or all the things that seem to rival God's unexpected love and grace. It's time to turn the news off. It's time to stop following people on social, net, social networks. It's time to stop ha embellishing and, and diving into conversations with friends and family or with strangers that simply entrenches us deeper into the pain of division, into the work that is not about unity. It's not about building us up. It's not about honoring the sacred worth in every single person around us because we should see the sacred worth in every person around us always as Jesus did. And we should live the life of unexpected love and grace of the kingdom, sowing the word and good news and truth of the kingdom to everybody that is around us at all times with the most love and grace that we can muster. And the Holy Spirit will empower you and ignite you with love and grace to be a witness, to be a presence to show the world what the will of God, the kingdom of God looks like, what a life governed by the reign of God alone can produce within us, the kind of harvest that is miraculous, that is beyond our wildest expectations and it overflows from us until it becomes so, so captivating and so contagious to the world around us that suddenly we find that we're spreading the seed of the good news and it may not fall to everybody. Everybody might not be ready for it, but those that are going to catch that fire and grow and suddenly we're a part of something much bigger than ourselves, than a political agenda, than any message of seeking to hold on to power and privilege. Friends, let it go. Let those who have ears to hear, hear. Those who have eyes to see, see. It is an invitation every day, all the time.
in every moment to step back and see how God is at work in every moment. There's plenty of tragedy, yes. But for every stump of a life, there is hope. Can we find it? Can we pray for it? Can we be the people of hope for the world around us? There are plenty of people that are wearing red or blue, that are entrenching themselves in the many different groups that we divide ourselves into. What the world needs now is not more team members of all these teams giving allegiance to other things, giving allegiance to ourselves. What the world needs is the kingdom. What kind of soil are you? What needs to go in your life? What are the rocks that are hindering growth? What are the weeds that are luring you away from the life that could be? We serve a God of hope. And Jesus brought us the Holy Spirit within each of us to speak and sow the word constantly. Let us prepare ourselves to receive, to walk this incredible, amazing path of faith, to see the unexpected love and grace of God all around us and in every single person, especially those whom we don't see eye to eye with. And let us here, see. Let us be people of hope in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com. 